0: Warren Buffett is probably one of the most successful and famous investors of our time. And what he's saying is basically when things go on sale, when good companies go on sale, that's the time to buy their stock.
1: Plug into the minds of the world's cutting edge innovators, visionaries, and thought leaders rewriting the rules of high performance at work. It's your time to make an impact. I am your host, Jason Campbell, and this is Superhumans at Work, a Valley podcast. Hey everybody, before we start the episode, I have an important announcement to make. We are going to start a new feature on the show, an AMA at the end, where you'll get a chance to interact with me and I get to answer any question you have. AMA stands for Ask Me Anything, and so if you have any questions around your workplace, things that you want around productivity, managing your team, scaling the organization, or about me or Mindvalley, go ahead and email me the question on jason at mindvalley.com. I look forward to hearing all of your questions, and we'll get a chance to interact at the end of future podcast episodes. Now let's get started. Hey everybody, this is Jason Campbell, and welcome back to Superhumans at Work. We have a special guest that we're bringing on today who has over 30 years of experience on Wall Street. Shelly Lombard is the investor in Millie Money. And guess what I brought you? She has been featured on so many televised appearances such as Wall Street Journal, USA Today, The New York Times. She's been appearing multiple times on CNBC, And she is an expert when it comes to investments. And she really helps people understand what's this investment world, how you can get into it, what are some of the myths and facts that you should be aware of, and especially working with younger generations who feel maybe intimidated about going into the stock market, really demystifying the whole process. And given that we are going through some unprecedented times, I thought it'd be very useful to bring Shelly on to the show and really give us an idea of what's happening in the market right now. What are these dynamics that are at play? And are there opportunities for us as we pay attention as opposed to freezing and simply observing what's going on? And so, Shelley, thank you so much for coming on the show with us.
0: Oh, I'm pleased to be here.
1: Now, Shelley, you've been working over 30 years in Wall Street. And what we're seeing today, maybe some of us, it's the first time that we see a downturn. But I have a feeling that you've seen this happen more than once. Mm-hmm. And so I don't know if you recognize certain patterns that are similar. And is this something that's quite different than what we've seen before?
0: No, it's similar. No, you never know what is going to trigger one of these things. So the first one I experienced was when I first started my career. I started on Wall Street in 1987, and that was a big crash. So, you know, it was October 1987, and then all of a sudden people think it was program trading. They're not sure what caused it, but all of a sudden the market started to plummet. And then since then, there have been more of those more recently in 2008, 2009, kind of started maybe 2000 2007, but really, I think the market hit a bottom in 2009. So they're the same and they're different. They're the same in terms of you don't know what's going to trigger it. You don't know how long it's going to last. But they're different in that they're caused by different things. So this one obviously is linked to what's going on in the world with coronavirus, whereas the other ones were linked to different things. So in 2008, it was you know a recessionary environment. It was mortgage-backed securities. But people's response is always similar. It's fight or flee. (laughs) And that's always people's response. Should I get out of the market or should I stay in and, you know, fight? And so what causes them are different, but it's always people's response to what's going on is always similar because we're people and we're human and we're emotional.
1: It makes me think of that case study that always speaks about the prisoner's dilemma where a prisoner gets interrogated and there's two accomplices that basically get interrogated separately and they tell them, Hey, if you actually tell us the truth and tell your partner was actually at fault, then you'll get a lower sentence. And then both of them would totally get less penalty if they both did not tell on the other, but because we're psychologically afraid and we want to fight that we actually just go and do what's in our best self-interest. And it seems like we never learned our lesson. This market continuously goes into some aggressive growth and then massive correction. So even outside of the coronavirus being in place, it seemed like the market was really roaring forward and people were kind of feeling that something was off. Is this the case or is this just assumptions in my head?
0: No, you know what? We had been on an unprecedented run. The market had been on an unprecedented run. So from 2009, when it kind of hit bottom, it's been roaring since then. So it's been a 10 year, what's called a bull market. So everybody was thinking this is gotta, the party's gotta end sometimes. And so people were always waiting for what we call on Wall Street the other shoe to drop. So it was kind of like look, this party can't go on forever. Stocks are going up and up and up. At some point, there's gotta be a correction. And so what we saw, it was like, oh, coronavirus? Well, then that's it. And so people kind of went off to the races thinking, okay, this. This is the thing that's going to bring the party to the end. And it actually did. It kind of became a self-fulfilling prophecy.
1: Mm, It's crazy how much value was lost in such a short amount of time. But then I also look at the graph and I, I was saying that, wow, okay, so we're just, you know, we went back three years, which is still more than double of what we were back in 2008, 2009. Is that about what's going on?
0: Yeah. So if you had kept your money in, in 2008, 2009, and just stayed in and not taking your money out, you would have probably tripled your money in 10 years. So it recovered and then it went higher. And so we are, you know, back off. We recovered a lot today. And now I'm specifically speaking of the U.S. stock market, but every country has its own stock market because it's a way that businesses finance themselves. And so every country, almost every country has a stock market. And Because the coronavirus thing is worldwide, every stock market has been impacted by it. But you're absolutely right. It had reached kind of a peak. And so now a lot of value has been lost. So it's up to investors to be somewhat disciplined and not only, one, not take their money out, but two, possibly buy more and take advantage of the buying opportunity if you see it as such.
1: And this is really where we wanted to bring this episode is understanding that within this kind of chaos, there's always a silver lining. And you're saying that this might be a really good time to purchase more stocks. And I know for myself, this is something I've personally felt drawn to. I was like, wow, if everything's really low, the economy is probably the time where you want to invest in the stocks. And so I was going to ask, number one, should we be looking at investing in the stocks when things are a bit chaotic? And number two, is it considered a selfish action or is it something that actually serves the greater good?
0: No, I think it's something that serves the greater good. So a couple of things to think about, you know, you're not buying stocks you're actually buying an ownership interest in a company. And so you're buying a company. And so these companies, no matter what happens with the stock market, most of them will continue to exist and they will rebound at some point. So even the companies that, you know, say you're a retailer and your locations are in a mall and the mall is closed now. So that's gonna impact your sales in 2020. But in 2021, Malls will be open again. People will be shopping again. People will be going to movies, etc. So you're basically buying a company. So people think of stocks as this kind of like weird intangible thing, but a stock is essentially an ownership interest in a company. So if you have, you know, one share and 52 52 million shares outstanding and trading, then you own one. 50 Two million, whatever that fraction is of a company. And so these companies are not going out of business. Most of them will recover. Now you will have definitely smaller businesses that don't have publicly traded stock. You may have some companies, maybe like a Boeing, for example, where this might be you know, a real problem for them because they had problems before. Maybe oil companies because the price of oil has crashed. So you may have situations where this drives somebody or drives a company out of existence, but for the vast majority Of companies, they will bounce back from this year and keep going. And it's a positive thing for the economy because these companies employ gazillions of people. So you really hate to see any company go under. So buying stock is really like an act of faith. Almost because what you're saying is I believe in this company, I believe it's gonna recover, and what you're doing is continuing to support a company that employs, you know, hundreds of thousands of people, and together they employ millions of people around the world. I think small business probably employs a lot more people than we think, but by the same token, big companies, the Boeings, the Coca-Cola's, the Amazons of the world, they employ thousands of people. And so by buying their stock and helping them, you know, to remain viable, what you're doing basically is keeping people employed. So I wouldn't view it as a selfish act at all.
1: I love how you explained that and really gave the details as to what does it mean to actually invest in the stock market. Because I feel like some people actually think about it saying, wow, like things are looking really bad. If I go and invest, am I just taking advantage of the situation? Rather, what you're saying is you're actually playing an active part in supporting and having faith, which a lot of the economy actually relies on the fact that everybody having faith on the growth. And now what you're saying is that even that there's a corrections happening, you actually still have faith in the growth. I wanted to take a moment and just define the word that you used earlier. You called it a bull market, and then you're actually calling this a bear market. Maybe give us details on what do these terms mean and how do we act on them? Because I feel like I've heard it so many times, but I don't really understand it fully.
0: Right. Bulls and bears. So a bull on Wall Street is when you're bullish about something, you love it and you're a fan of it. When you're bearish about something, you hate it and you want it to go away. So a bull market is when everybody loves stocks and they're driving the price up. So we have been on a 10-year bull market run. Right now, we're in a bear market. So a stock market correction is anything up to about, the market goes down up to about 20% anything above 20 percent is considered a bear market so market correction is not really a bear market but if the market drops more than 20 percent then it's a bear market it's kind of arbitrary but that's generally what people consider a bear market when the market has fallen more than 20 percent so a bull market is when the market is just going higher and higher a bear market is when it's going down more specifically a bear market is really it's down more than 20 percent less than 20 20%, it's considered a correction, but not in bear market territory yet.
1: Perfect. And so just to recap for everybody listening here is we first went ahead and realized that this is not the first time the market corrects itself. As Shelly has explained, since 87, she's seen this happen multiple times, and there's always something different that causes it. And this time, as we were on a 10-year run on this bull market, we're seeing that the correction is happening. The coronavirus just happens to be that incident that drived it down. And now we actually see that it's considered a bear market, yet we don't really know how long this lasts or not. And what I wanted to kind of shift, Shelly, now that you've made us understand it, if we decide to take action on... Going into the stock market, especially when it's the times of a bear market, not only is it possibly a very good way to generate some income, but it's also a way that actually supports the economy in general. It's actually an act of good faith, less perceived as a selfish act. And I kind of wanted to drive into some of the tactics or maybe strategies or actions that people could be taking in times like this.
0: So, I'll start with a quote from Warren Buffett who says, Every 10 years, the skies grow dark and the heavens open up and they rain gold. And in those cases, you should rush out with a wash bucket, not with a teaspoon. And so, I guess he's dating himself by referring to a wash bucket, but you should run out with a wash bucket, not a teaspoon. And Warren Buffett is probably one of the most successful and famous investors of our time. And what he's saying is basically, when things go on sale, when good companies go on sale, that's the time to buy their stock. So if you thought the stock market was a little high before, because it was on a 10-year bull run and stocks were just going up and up and up, if you liked Starbucks, if you liked Amazon, if you liked Procter & Gamble, now the stock is down more than 20%, and so now is a good time to buy. A couple of things I would say to to people who already have money in the market, whether it's in the U.S. stock market or the London Stock Exchange or Canada or wherever it is, they're all down. And it's not just coronavirus. I think what people are concerned about is the fact that people are staying home and not spending will drive the world economy into a recession. So it's basically a coronavirus-driven recession. So it has a tail to it. So all the people who are missing paychecks, all the businesses that are closed, who may have to lay off people, that a recession will follow that. So what I would recommend is two things. If you already have money in the market, not to take it out, because what happens is the average bear market, in other words, when stocks are going down, 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 lasts about 18 months. And then it takes a couple of years for it to come back. But studies show that within a couple of years, every single one, and look, just because it happened historically doesn't mean it'll happen this time. But in our history, every single bear market, the stocks have recovered and people who stayed in or got in, who stayed in were fine. And people who got in at the bottom were able to triple, double, triple their money or better. So if you're already in, you have Canadian stocks or you live in the U.K and you have stocks that you bought on the London Stock Exchange, you want to stay in. If you're not in, what you want to do is not pile in at one time, but you want to buy a little of the stock every month. So say, for example, you're interested in Starbucks. What you want to do is buy a fixed amount of Starbucks every month because if the bear, and we don't know if this bear market is over yet. So the U.S. stock market went up today because Congress voted on and approved a two trillion bailout, you know, helping not just companies, but helping people who've been laid off from their jobs and basically sending people checks so they could pay their bills, etc. So the market rallied on that. And the market rally is when the market goes up a lot, and I think it was up over a thousand points today. But we don't know how long that's going to last because coronavirus deaths continue. This could drive us into a recession. So the wisest thing to do is not to try to call the bottom or time the bottom and say, "Okay, I'm going to jump in now," but to buy a fixed amount every month and. What What happens is you're doing what's called dollar cost averaging. You're getting the average price. So if you buy next week and it happens to not be the bottom and the stock market goes lower, then the next purchase you make the next month or whatever period you set for yourself, you're buying at a lower price. So your average over a three, four, six month period, you'll get that average of price, which includes the ups and the downs rather than trying to pick the bottom and go, okay, I'm going to jump in now. So that's what I would advise people to do. That's a strategy that makes sense for most people.
1: Yeah, this seems like a much more rational approach to getting into the market as opposed to the emotional approach, which is just like, take all my money and then put it into the stock market. That approach seems a bit more gambling than what you're suggesting.
0: Yeah, because nobody, not even a Warren Buffett, who's a very successful investor, can call the bottom. You know, what he says is you can't time the market. And so, you know, that's a common refrain. You can't time the market. So you don't know when the market's going to be down and when it's going to be up. If anybody knew that, that meant they had a crystal ball and they would be retired. So even though Warren Buffett has made a ton of money investing in stocks, still the best thing to do is what's called dollar cost averaging. And look, in the United States, we have mutual funds where you can put money in with other people and let a professional manage it. But even if you're doing that and something like that may or may not exist in other countries, they definitely have stock markets, whether they have mutual funds or exchange traded funds. you know, I'm not aware of everything in every country around the world, but even if you're putting money into mutual funds, you still want to do what's called dollar cost averaging. So mutual fund is when you put money in and a professional manager manages it. And there are many companies, Vanguard, Fidelity, Charles Schwab, who offer mutual funds, and so you're not picking individual stocks. You pick a style. I want to invest in large companies. I want to invest in small companies. I want to invest in tech, and you put your money in. A professional manages it. Even in that case, you want to put a little in every month, whether it's retirement or whether you are trying to generate excess income for yourself. You want to put some in every month starting now because now the stock market is off, way off from its high, and then you want to keep doing that for a number of months to do as i said was called dollar cost averaging
1: mm. And so I remember when we initially had another conversation, and I know you speak a lot about this at Millie Money, but you talk about the fact that when you're looking at investing in stocks, you should actually have a couple buckets of money that invests, one of them being kind of a reserve fund for yourself, and then having kind of that stream of income, kind of this play money that you can go into the stock markets to kind of generate income. And then the third one, I believe what we were mentioning it was a retirement account, which we're not speaking too much today of because obviously every country has different regulations. But what we're talking about here is really playing with that money that you're open to investing that is ready to be put into a long-term kind of investment. And it makes me ask the question, which is, you talked about having kind of that reserve fund on the side as well, especially during these times, should we be even more cautious about how much money we decide to keep on ourselves as opposed to investing everything into the stock market?
0: Yeah, so if you don't have an emergency fund right now, you should start one. In the United States, the government has just approved a plan. I think they're sending $1,200. I'm not sure if it's to every family or to every individual that meets a certain income threshold. But at any rate, that's a good start. Your tax refund that you get in the United States, if you get a refund, you don't have to pay. That's a good start to emergency fund. Because the last thing you want to do is have money in the stock market, and it go down at the same time you lose your job. So you want to have an emergency fund, but you want to not have it invested in the stock market. You want to have it somewhere safe, like a bank savings account or something that may not pay much interest, but it doesn't move with the stock market at all. So you definitely want to have that. Whatever the retirement options are in your country, you want to take advantage of those. But you also want to have this third basket, as you mentioned, and that's a source of revenue that's separate from your career. The reason you don't want to have it in a retirement fund, because in the US, and I'm sure it's probably the same in other countries, you can't access that money without penalty until you get a certain age. So in the United States, if you have a retirement fund, you can't access it until you're 59 and a half. And so at that point, if you try to access it before then, say you want to buy a piece of real estate or you want to invest in your business or anything like that, and you take it out before you're 59 and a half, you not only have to pay taxes on it, but you have to pay a 10% penalty is what it is in the United States. So separate and apart from your emergency fund and your retirement fund, it's very helpful to have a separate source of revenue. I'll just speak, you know, personally, my daughter works in uh, industry. She does music events. And so they are totally shut down. There is nothing going on. Every event for the next couple of months has been canceled. They were supposed to do a big festival called South by Southwest in Austin this year. That is canceled. They thought this shutdown would last for a month. People are canceling events well into the summertime. And so it was would be nice for her to have something separate from her career that is a source of income, a source of revenue. And so if she had, she has it now because I gave her and my son, instead of giving them Christmas gifts, I gave them uh, an investment portfolio, small, just a couple of stocks. But it's nice to have something else. And again, it's going to grow over time. So I think the last time we talked, you know, I had the example, I bought Home Depot stock at $43 a share, probably about seven years ago. I'm somebody who is a long-term investor. So, I'm not looking to get in and get out and make a quick buck. I like the company. I'm going to invest for the long term. Before it came down, it was $200, I think, and $35 a share. So, I made over $15,000 on Home Depot stock. So, that's money that I could have taken and done anything with a vacation, invested in a business, anything like that. Now, it's come down. I think it was maybe $180 today or something like that. It's not back to where it was. But that's the kind of thing. When and I say a separate source of revenue. And the nice thing about it is, it doesn't necessarily have to take any time away from the other stuff that I was doing. I bought that Home Depot stock, good company, good balance sheet, and I forgot about it. And I would check on it every couple of months. And because it was a good company, the price just went up and up and up. That doesn't always happen. But if you buy good stocks, then you're in good companies because it's not just stock, you buy ownership interest in a company. If you buy good, companies like Warren Buffett says your time frame should be years out not what I'm going to make you know tomorrow it's going to trade up and I'm going to sell it but years out and they will just go up and up and up hopefully you lose some money but if you pick good companies on the whole you should make money and most people who have been invested the last 5 6 10 years have made a lot of money
1: that's amazing. Shelly, thank you so much for coming here and sharing a bit of insights here when it comes to investing. I think for a lot of people that might be in self-isolation possibly, or just kind of keeping an eye on the news and really worrying like, oh my God, what should I be doing? There's so many things that are moving. And one of the big things we talked about at the beginning, again, is that the stock market has cycles. And we're seeing that right now we're going back into a downturn, what is the bear market. And this actually creates some very interesting opportunities to buy these stocks at a discount. Now, one of the strategies that I love that Shelley has shared here is not to try to put everything in when you predict when it's bottomed out. Instead, you can use this system where you can actually invest on a monthly basis so you average out what is the price that you're paying for the stocks for the companies that you love. I really love the ethos of the message of investing here, which is you are buying companies that you believe in. You really are looking at companies that you see that they are going to grow and they're going to make an impact. And when you're going in with this intention, every dollar that you put into the stock market is really supporting the economy as a whole. And you're actually helping support millions of jobs that are being sustained by the fact that you are investing in these large companies. So it is not a selfish act. It's actually a time for you to get very curious about it, to do more research about it, and to really see how you can jump into it if you're not in there already. And if you are curious to go more into the technicalities and more of the details of how do you get started with investing, definitely have a look at Millie Money where there's a lot more resources about investing and you're gonna be able to go deeper into the subject. What we wanted to do now is kind of have a discussion about what's going on. It's not the first time it happens, it won't be the last, and we're gonna be okay. The results of the coronavirus is the fact that a lot of people are staying at home, the jobs are not being as active because we're not spending as much, and this is maybe going to trigger a recession. But fear not, we've been through this, we'll go through it again, and there's going to be some interesting things that are developing. But one of the things that you can do is really get informed, get curious, and be able to take action while keeping a reserve fund, of course, to support you during these times. And you might find yourself being able to define this new stream of income, which could be on the stock market as well. Shelley, thanks again for taking the time with us and everybody tuning in. Stay healthy. My name is Jason Campbell, and this is Superhumans at Work, a Mind Valley podcast.